can you know your motives when it comes to dating somebody? So we're spending some time talking about dating. This is technically our second week talking about dating, but we've been talking about things for the last several weeks in relation to biblical relationships. We've been spending a lot of time talking about that in general, and we've worked our way all the way up through into dating now. And so we put out on the group me, how can you know about your motives when it comes to the person that you're dating and if it's the person that you should be dating? Especially if you're in a situation where you desire to please God, because that's really the key. Because if you don't desire to please God, frankly, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, we could talk about the stuff, the biblical principles of dating, like all day long, all night long. But if you don't have a heart to really want to please God, and that's not something that's a deep desire of yours, then it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter at all. So we spent a lot of time working up to this point. So I'm just going to do just a brief, brief review. We've talked about this picture every single week. And just as a quick explanation, somebody give me the rundown on this one. Yes. Okay. So, you're the person on the left. I am? Well, no, like yourself. Like so me. You, okay. Yeah. All right. Be me. Okay. Be Lori. Yeah. All right. Anybody. Okay. And then your person that you're in a relationship with is on the right, and then God's in the middle. And so the whole concept of that is as, like, you need to be on the same level with the other person as, like, they both want, like, you both want to like get closer to God so as you get closer to him you both need to continually be doing that and therefore you get closer to God and you get closer to each other if you don't do that then the triangle will not be a triangle anymore you yeah. get further apart yep and we talk about the flip side of that let's say this person like it doesn't this part doesn't have to be like a person that you're dating can't even see the pointer from all right so that doesn't have to be a person that you're dating that could be a friend that could even be someone within your family any sort of relationship whatsoever let's say you over on the left side you, Emily, you, let's say you on the left side, you have a desire to walk with God, but this other person has no desire to walk with God whatsoever. So now you're in a position where you're going to be getting closer to God, but in reality, you're going to be getting farther away from that other person. And so if you choose to say, you know what, I want this person in my life and they have no desire for God and they don't even seem like they're going to have a desire for God whatsoever, then you have to do one of two things. You have to give up one or the other. Like it's just, it's not going to work out. Like you can't, you can't pursue a relationship with God and then pursue a relationship with someone that has no desire to have a relationship with God. It's not going to work. At some point, it's going to completely break down because you both don't have the same values in common because that's how relationships work. I mean, on just on the basic level, have you ever had a friend that you guys had a lot in common, but then all of a sudden they changed interests and you guys stopped hanging out? That happened to me. I remember growing up in school, um, I played baseball with a bunch of guys growing up. I played ever since I was like, you know, in kindergarten. And we played baseball together. Well, there came a point in middle school and especially the beginning of high school where there were some guys that just started getting into doing drugs. <clears throat> and I was not a part of that, that crowd. I, I didn't want anything to do with it. They were very interested in that. They were very interested in partying and doing all those sorts of things. And we all of a sudden just stopped hanging out because we didn't have any interest in common. So this is not something that's like super spiritual. This is actually something that's super logical. That when two people don't have the same things in common, it's only a matter of time before they grow apart. And we spent time talking last week about a couple things like this one, which is, I mean, this takes a rocket scientist to figure this one out. That dating leads to engagement. Engagement leads to marriage. Like, I don't know if that's ever entered your mind before, but if it hasn't, you're welcome. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... So dating <laughs> leads to engagement and engagement leads to marriage. 
And so the reason why we, we brought this to the table is because within our culture, when I was a teenager and when you guys are now currently in that state, most people in the dating realm, they're not thinking about marriage. They're not. Most people that are in the dating realm today, especially in the world and in your schools and your friends, are only dating because they like that person or they find them attractive or they like how that person makes them feel or, or whatever. Like there could be a whole host of reasons, but it's generally not because they look at that person and say, that's a person that I believe that I could marry one day and that I could build a life with. Like people aren't thinking about that. But here's the thing. Dating leads to that. And so if it's going to lead to that, then why would you waste your time – an emotional currency dating someone that you would never see yourself marrying. Because I've been in relationships where, I mean, to be honest with you, and I've shared my testimony, I was dead set I was going to marry whoever. Like when I was 16 years old, the first time I could date, I dated this girl. Her name was Stephanie. And, and I was dead set on I, I, she's someone that I know that I could marry. I, I knew that. Now, about seven, eight, nine months later, she had a change of heart and she ended up breaking up with me. And so then that was really hard for me because then I'm like, I saw myself marrying this girl, like legitimately. I was not, I did not go into it lightly. I was not being emotional about it. I, I was dead set. I thought she was going to be one that I think I could marry. But then she broke it off with me. And now all of a sudden, this part of my heart and my emotions that I've invested in that relationship, I feel like it's just completely flushed down the toilet. And, and I'm like, what, what happened? And, and so you have to be wise about these things. And there are some people that can date and it doesn't really matter to them about those sorts of things. And I don't understand that because like, this is a big deal. This is one of the two most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life. And so dating should be just as equally as important as thinking about who you're going to marry because eventually it's going to lead there. So we need to think about those things. All right. And then we spent some time last week introducing these triangles and we're going to spend um, like next week and, you know, the weeks after that we end up covering this, talking about each one of these things. And we talked about how there's God's way when it comes to dating relationships. And then there's the world's way. And with the world, the way the world looks at it is the very first thing that they look at is the physical, generally. In most cases, it's the physical. Are you physically attracted to this person? If it's yes, then I want to be with them and I hope that they are interested in me as well. And then once that's established, then you start to get to know each other on an emotional level. Do we have certain things in common? Do we have likes and dislikes? How compatible are we together in our personalities and all that kind of stuff? And then eventually, when the world would get around to it, they may end up talking about the spiritual. And just to give you an example that I couldn't give last week on this one. So when I worked at Charles Schwab after I had graduated and I was still going through college at the time, I worked at this financial institution named Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab. And there was this lady there who was a really nice lady. I liked her. Um, and she was Greek Orthodox, sorry, Russian Orthodox. And so it's basically, it, it's, a, it's a form of, of Catholicism. It's different from Roman Catholicism because if you were to go back and study the history of it, you find out that the Roman Catholics broke apart from the Greek and Roman Orthodox churches. And so now they're two separate branches of the, of the Catholic church. Anyway, she's Russian Orthodox. She ended up marrying this guy who was Jewish. And I'm like, how's that working out? Because you both have completely different religious values. And so they had two boys. And as they're raising their boys, they basically came to the conclusion that they want their boys to choose whatever religion that they want to follow. Whether they want to become Jewish or whether they want to follow the Roman Orthodox or, or whatever, they're going to let their boys choose. Well, imagine growing up in that household. 
Because being a Jew and being a Roman or I'm sorry, Russian Orthodox, being I mean, those are completely like completely different, like completely different. Even like how are you even right with God? I mean, both can't be right. I mean, we live in a world where they say that multiple religions can be right and all roads lead to the same place. Well, that's just complete false. Like that's just that's, that's not possible because think about it. God is perfect. And if God is perfect, there must only be one way. Because if there's more than one way, then God can't be perfect. He has a, he's a perfect standard. He's holy. He's just. And so there can only be one way to God. And so you can't have a situation where multiple religions that believe in multiple different ways to be right with God, like one does it this way, another does it that way, another does it that way, that they all lead to God. That just doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever with the holiness of God. Because God is perfect in all his ways and holy in all his works. And he's, he's completely and totally just. So you can't have two religions that might be morally right that have two completely methods of salvation in order to be right with this thing that they call God. It just doesn't work out that way. So you're in this kind of a household, and all I could think of is that it caused these boys massive confusion. Which one's right? And if mom is right, does that mean dad's going to hell? Or whatever thing they might believe in? Or if dad's right, does that mean mom's going to hell? Because, I mean, they believe two completely different things. And so here what you're left with is a scenario where religion doesn't really matter. Like whatever you believe is, is concerning religion, and I use the term loosely because we don't really believe in a religion. You believe in, we believe in having a relationship with God, and that's completely different. But when it comes to your religious beliefs, if it's last in your priority list, then it's going to be last in everything that you do. And if it's last in your priority list, does it even really matter? No, it, the answer is no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if it's last in your priority list, it really doesn't matter. And so we have to look at this from God's perspective. And so the very first thing that God establishes is that the spiritual is the most important. That spiritual side is the most important. And someone give me a good reason why it's the most important. Yeah. Yes, because it lasts forever. Like it doesn't matter how old a person gets and then how much their appearance changes or how much their personality changes. The spiritual things that they believe are true because they're based upon an objective black and white book that doesn't change. And God in Malachi 3.6 says specifically, I, the Lord, I change not. Like God doesn't change because he's perfect. So if your spirituality is based upon God and his word, he doesn't change. So that's the portion that's going to last forever. Whereas with the emotional side of things, your likes, dislikes, your compatibility with people changes as you grow and mature personally. And the things that I liked 10 years ago are not the same things that I like now. And there's certain things that I like now that I used to not like before because I change. I grow as a person. And then lastly, physical, because the physicality of every person changes. Like whether you like it or not, you are going to grow old, ugly, smell, lose control of your bowels and everything. And it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's not. You're going to turn into a baby again. It's like you were a baby that couldn't control your bowels. And then all of a sudden you get old and you can't control your bowels again. So... Your physical, like the physical part of you, it is the, is the one that changes the most throughout the years. And so yet you look at the world's way and that's the one that matters the most. So it's, it's not a surprise that you have a lot of relationships or different elements of divorce that people get divorced because they're no longer attracted to the person that they're married to. Or they're no longer compatible with their emotional makeup of who they are. Their values might change. And so it only ends up leading into divorce. But if you're basing it upon the spiritual, which by the way, the spiritual side of things, that is not based upon me as a person. That is not based upon my wife who's currently in the ER. 
Like, it's not based upon her either. For those of you who didn't catch that, my wife's currently in the ER. Yeah, she hurt her knee, and so we're making sure that her knee isn't broken, her ligaments aren't torn. Okay. So the spiritual side of her, like, my relationship with my wife is not based upon her as a person. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I hope it does. It's based upon the fact that she loves God. She loves God's word. She has a solid relationship with God that will last for eternity. And that is the basis of our relationship. Like that is the foundation. I mean, it's not everything because I like my wife's personality and I am attracted to her physically, but it's not based upon those things. That's not the part that's going to last forever because those parts of her and I are going to change throughout the years. But the spiritual part of me is not based upon who I am. It's based upon who God is in my relationship with God. And so if I walk with God and have a good relationship with God, and if she walks with God and has a good relationship with God, then we will always have a good relationship together. No matter how old we get, no matter how much we change. And that's God's way. And that's what the world doesn't like. They don't even want to talk about the spiritual side. And that's why divorce is the way it is today, because of things like that. Okay. So now we're going to take some time and we're going to work this list. I debated going back and forth, which is why you guys have the wrong study sheets to begin with. And now you have the right ones. Because I thought about just going through this quickly. But then after going through it today, I'm like, no, we need to do this. We need to spend some time talking about this. Because I want you guys to have some objective black and white things that you can evaluate whether you're in a current dating relationship with someone. Or maybe you're interested in dating someone. Or it's something that you are holding out for until you find the right one and what to look for. So these things we're going to talk about are straight from the scriptures. And these are going to be very clear, objective things that you can look at as a measuring stick to see, are my motives for dating this person biblical or unbiblical? All right. So I'm going to have you guys do some reading together. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get all of this stuff done. But these are some really good things just to keep in mind. Okay. All right. So give me, let's see here. Um... Let's see. Let's go through. Everyone turn to Proverbs 7, and then I need uh, some volunteers. So let's go. Noah, do Proverbs 5, 3. Proverbs 13, 7, Timmy. Proverbs 16, 19. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4, and 5. Proverbs 23, 17, Jack. And we'll stop there for a second. Okay, so everybody go to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. Thirteen seven. Thirteen seven. And everybody else go to Proverbs seven. Okay. So let's go through the unbiblical reasons to date someone. Alright, first of all, they have an attractive appearance and or personality. That is not a reason to date somebody. Um that can be an element and it can be a variable, but it is not a reason to date someone just because they have an attractive appearance or personality. Proverbs five three, whoever is that one? For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than a Okay, so Proverbs, in that verse, Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7 talks about it, talks about the strange woman. Now, the strange woman in the book of Proverbs, as you read more about her, which we will in a minute, she is a harlot. So she is a whore. And what do harlots or whores do? Let's just be flat out honest. What do they do? They sell their bodies for, for money. So they take advantage of someone's lust in order to get money or gain from them. So when it comes to these people, are they having sex with the people that they are with for like, because they actually love that person? No. Why are they doing it? Money, selfish gain. And in both circumstances, it's lust. 
One is lust of having more money and selling her body in order to do it, or his body. I guess you can put it that way. It's called a strange woman, though, so we'll just say her. And then you have the other side where the guy is not actually in love with this woman, but he's just having sex with her because he is just lustful and he doesn't want to control himself and he can pay a woman money in order to have sex. Okay? All right. So it's pretty straightforward. So in that scenario, it says, go ahead and read it again. Okay, it's all right. It's only a couple pages over. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Okay, so her lips drop as a honeycomb. What is that? What is a honeycomb, and what do honeycombs drop? Honey. Who likes honey? I love honey. Isn't it amazing? And the medicinal purposes of it are just astounding. Okay, so you have something that's super sweet. And generally, unless you're a weirdo, you like honey, okay? So her lips drop as honey. So what does that mean? Okay, so her lips are enticing. And also what comes out of her lips? Words. Words that are very sweet in order to entice that person and to take advantage of the lustful desires that they have. Okay? All right. And then it says... And her mouth is smoother than oil. Okay, smoother than oil. Okay? What does that mean? Smooth talker. Seduce. She's a seducer. Yes. Okay. Any of you have your head stuck between two, like, you know, poles on, yes. on your staircase? Yes. You've done that? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why did I even question? Of course you've done that. All right. How'd you get it out? I screamed, and then my mom came, and she, like, I don't remember, but I, like, flew. So, so it was, like, there, and I was, like, she had me twisted. I don't know. It was, like, this way, and then, like. All right. Everyone ever been stuck in a circumstance and they've used like something that has been smooth or oily in order to get it unstuck? A ring? Yeah, ring off the finger. Anyone into cars or vehicles where you have a something that's jammed by rust and you need to put something on it in order to loosen it in order to get it out? Okay. All right. So it's the same sort of thing. So when it says her mouth is smoother than oil then it's something that is seducing and it gets the person to do something that they normally wouldn't be doing. Okay, so you have this scenario. A strange woman, her lips drop as a honeycomb, so it's sweet, so her words can be sweet and very, very enticing, and it entices someone to do something that they normally would not do. Now, that is a strange woman, and that's also someone that is, has an attractive appearance or personality, and I'm just going to be, be honest with you guys. I remember, and I've shared this story before, so if you've heard it before, just deal with it. Um, but I remember being in high school, and there was this one girl who was very, very attractive. And it was someone that, honestly, in my opinion, would kind of be like way out of my league. But at the same time, her reputation really wasn't that great. But she claimed to be a Christian. And my general rule in high school was that if a person was not saved, if they were not born again, I was not going to date them. And everybody knew about it. Well, this person said that she was a Christian. She went to church. And so she said she was born again. So I'm like, well, maybe there's an opportunity. Well, I found out that she kind of liked me. And so she wanted me to ask her to a dance, and I remember going out and spending a little bit of time with her, and I'm like, this is just weird, because I'm like, she's like way out of my league, and yet she has, you know, she has this interest in me, and she claims to be a Christian. And so I was in a position where I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? Do I justify a decision to go out with this girl because of what she says, and she's interested in me, and I am attracted to her, or do I really remember the fact that her reputation really isn't that great? And she probably does not walk with God, and she may not even be a Christian. What do I go with? Well, I ended up not going out with her, and I think it saved me from a lot of heartache and what could have been. 
But it was one of those things where I was put in that kind of a, a situation that you don't date someone just because they have an attractive appearance or an attractive personality. Now, let me give you another one. And this kind of goes in with our second one, another unbiblical reason to date someone, that they make me feel special, like I'm worth something. Now, this is very dangerous because you can get yourself in a scenario where someone likes you and then your value, your personal value is now assessed by their liking you. Like them liking you makes you feel like you're somebody. When no one else had any interest in you, this person now does and they make me feel very, very special. This is normal. So if you felt this way, I'm not dogging you on it. I'm not ridiculing you at all. I have been in the same situation. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to be valued by somebody else, okay? But I want you to just be cautious because Proverbs 7, look at this. Proverbs 7, talking about the strange woman again. And take a look at verse... Let's start off in verse 6. <clears throat> All right, so Solomon sees this and now he writes about it. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, the strange woman, and he went the way to her house. He knew where he was going. He knows where he lives, where she lives. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, which of course that makes sense. A lot of things happen that are negative at night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. So she looks very attractive. She's wearing certain garments that make her seem more attractive, which is just enticing his lustful desires. But she says that she's subtle of heart. And she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she's without, now in the streets, and lieth and wait at every corner. And then look at this. So she caught him, and the first thing she did, and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. So she appears to have a religious front. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. So she flatters and makes him feel important and special when really it's just another guy. She says, oh, I've been looking for you when that's not actually the case. And then look at 16. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works and fine linen of Egypt. So she's rich. She has a lot of materialism. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. She appeals through the senses. Come, let us take our fill of love, which is not actually love. All this is lust, but she calls it love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. So she redefines the whole term of love and lust and what that is. And then look at this. For the good man or her husband is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. So she makes these excuses and she justifies her behavior and she makes him feel like making this decision is safe. And look at 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. And with the flattering of her lips, she forced him because she was manipulative to get her own way in order to take advantage of him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. I'm telling you, I am telling you, I am telling you. I have walked this path and I've experienced all these same things that this guy has. And let me tell you something. It is one of the biggest regrets of my life. I was an idiot. I was foolish. I did not do what God told me to do. And I was in a position that I should not have been in. And I made huge mistakes as a result. So this person may have an attractive personality. They might have an attractive appearance. They may make you feel special like you're worth something to them. But I'm telling you, that is not a reason to date someone. 
and and I'm and your only worth, and this is something we'll talk about in the next list, really, is that you find your worth in how God feels about you. You need to find your personal worth in what Jesus Christ has done for you. Like, and this is and this may sound like spiritual and super spiritual, but it's not. Let me tell you. Your value is based upon God coming to this earth and dying for you and redeeming you. There's no greater love in the entire universe. His love for you trumps any person at any time, any place throughout human history. I don't care how special someone makes you feel, it pales in comparison to what God feels for you. And you may not believe that, but it's the truth because he did it. The Bible says very clearly that you were his enemy. You were his enemy and he still died for you. You were a sinner bound for hell and he still died for you. No one dies for their enemies. No one does. And yet that's what God did for you. And that's what love actually means. So I don't care how special someone makes you feel. No one can make you feel as special as Jesus Christ. And so if you're exchanging one for the other, then you're going to completely miss out. All right, point number three here. Unbiblical reason to date someone. You feel like you're missing out. There might be other people dating. There might be other people just getting connected and being couples and going and doing things together. And you feel inside like you're missing out. Listen to Proverbs 13, 7 and Proverbs 16, 19. There is that making himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Okay, 16, 19. Better is it to be of the humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Okay. So the Bible says very clearly in chapter 13, right? Is that where 13? Yep, 13, 7. That in that passage, there are people that seem poor, like they're actually missing out, but yet they have great riches. And there are people that seem like they have everything, but yet they're super poor. Super poor. And this is all over the place in the world. Um, I'll just give you a quick example, and then we'll keep moving on. But So we were in Niagara Falls over the weekend. And while we were there... Uh, of course, we're there over the weekend, and so we got to see people come out, and there's a huge casino, and people like to party, and they get drunk, and they do all this different kind of stuff. Well, there's a lot of people that go to these casinos over the weekend that, I mean, they are high rollers, <laughs> like high rollers. And, uh, and so we were in a hotel, and I remember going through the parking deck, and there's this one section of the parking deck where the really expensive cars were. And so in the parking deck, side by side, there was a Lamborghini and a McLaren. Yeah, 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 I know. And the McLaren, I'm like, I told Megan, I'm like, okay, Lamborghini's nice, but the McLaren, I mean, that's some serious cash. (laughs) All right. So you have this scenario unfold where there's these people that have all this money, they're doing all this thing and they do all this stuff, but then yet the morning comes, like the next morning always comes. So they might have their night where they go out and they have fun on the town. They go and they gamble and they go and they drink and they go and they party. But then they go back to their hotel room and they crash and they wake up the next morning. And guess what? Life is still there. And then what do you have? Yeah, hangover, (laughs) debt. They go and they do it again. And they go and they do it again. And they keep doing it because of how it makes them feel. But at the end of the day, they're going to find this never satisfies Like, what am I doing? I have all this money. I have all this stuff. I have all these things at my fingertips, but yet it's not bringing me any satisfaction. I can go and I can keep doing this and feeling this way, but there's still something that's just, I'm like, that's it? Like, that's all you have in life? Like, that's it? And here Megan and I are, we got a deal on Groupon that we go and we stay at this nice hotel and we have like zero money, you know? And we, we, we had one really nice meal that we could barely even afford. And yet we had the time of our life. 
I had way more fun with my wife on the weekend, just hanging out, going on a boat ride up to the falls, going to the tunnels behind the falls, walking with her, talking about life, dealing with things together, than I did driving a McLaren, blowing a ton of money at the casino, and drinking my brains out. You know what I mean? Like, I had more satisfaction, more peace, more fulfillment in the things that we did than they could ever dream of. And I love that. So, yeah, I'm poor, but I have great riches. And if you choose to be wise when it comes to relationships, you might feel poor. Like, everybody else might have something that you don't. But I'm telling you, you have some seriously great riches if you're focused on the right things. So, hopefully, you understand what I'm talking about. All right, Hebrews 13, 4 and 5. Another reason to not date someone. I feel lonely. Go ahead and read that one. Marriage is honorable in all... Mm, sorry. Okay. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but warmongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Uh, for he has said, I will leave... Never leave thee, nor forsake Yeah, God said, I will never leave thee. Not, I will leave thee, and I will forsake you. Yeah. Okay, so the reason why those two verses are together is because verse 4 talks about the marriage bed. It talks that marriage relationship. And then the next verse right after, God says, be content, because I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And so your fulfillment, when it comes to times where you might feel lonely, like no one cares or no one else is around, and maybe you get some sort of a personal gratification by another individual who cares for you, which is all normal. But let me tell you, even if you are the only person in the world and no other human existed, you still can be perfectly content, satisfied, and not lonely because you have the Lord. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And sometimes you may not know that until you're in that kind of a position because you put more value upon other people's relationships rather than your personal relationship with the Lord. All right, next one. It kind of leads, it talks a little bit about it, but uh, we've already mentioned it a little bit, but I'm envious of other couples. And I'm telling you, Proverbs 23, it talks about how you're not supposed to envy sinners, but fear the Lord all the day long. Psalm 73 is a great one to look up later, but it talks about why do the sinners succeed? Like, why do they seem blessed? Why are they always like never in pain? They have everything they could ever want. And then there it talks about how God taught him something completely different. It's a great passage to take a look at. So you might be envious of other couples, but I'm telling you. Your relationship with God is definitely more important than being envious of other couples. It's worth waiting for. All right, what about the next one? I'm pressured by my friends and those around me. Go to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. So you might be pressured by your friends, people trying to talk you into dating this person or that person. That happens so much in my life. Like people could not understand why I would not date someone who was, uh, was you know, not the, not the same beliefs as, as, I, as I was. And they gave me a really hard time. And I mean, it was very tempting. But in 2 Timothy, take a look at this, 2 Timothy 4. All right, so Paul's at the end of his life, and he's about to go before uh, Nero, which was a brutal dude, and he killed a lot of people and a lot of Christians. Um, But here it says in verse 16, 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding... The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So you might be pressured by people around you, but I'm telling you, don't buckle. Because even if you're in a circumstance where everyone is willing to abandon you, but you still stand firm because you have a strong relationship with the Lord, I'm telling you, it's the best thing that you could ever do. Because you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. No matter what anybody else says, you're doing the right thing. Even at times where you doubt it, you're doing the right thing. It is much better to be single 
for the rest of your life than to marry the wrong person. It is. And if you don't believe me, you can talk to some people that have married the wrong people and how it's, how it's actually fell out with them and how they have major, major regrets. All right, here's another unbiblical reason. But they need Jesus. Okay. All right. Evangelistic dating, 99% of the time does not work. 99, because I know some people that, have, that it has worked, but I'm telling you, and you can ask them their testimony, it did not go well. Evangelistic dating does not work well. It does not work well. So you might say, well, they need Jesus. And by me being close to them and by me dating them, then I can win them to the Lord. All right. Okay. I've played that card. I've been down that road and I was burned major, major. That is not a reason to date someone. It could be possible. It's very rare. But the Bible is very clear. 2 Corinthians 6 and Amos 3.3 especially second corinthians 6 is that people that are born again are specifically told to not to not be yoked together with unbelievers all right next point they have potential and i can help them spiritually there's another one no that is not a reason to date someone that is absolutely not a reason to date someone and you can look up some of those passages later those are some really really good ones just because someone has potential does not mean that you should be dating them You never date someone based on their future potential. Why? Let's just think about this logically. Okay. Where else? It's just potential. It's not reality. Yeah, Leah. Yes. You never date someone based on their potential. Everybody has potential. Like everyone has potential to walk with God and be an astounding leader and to rock this world upside down for the Lord. But not everybody does. In fact, most don't. So you don't base on someone based on who they could be. You date someone based on who they are. Ah, that could save you so much pain. Like you have no idea the gold that I'm just handing out to you guys tonight. (laughs) It is seriously something that could save you from so much heartache. So much heartache. All right, next one. But they say they're a Christian. Mm, Nope, not necessarily. Just because someone says they're a Christian does not mean that's that's a reason you should date someone. Matthew 7 talks about how you should take a look at their fruit. They might say they're a Christian, but are they actually? How can you judge that? Give me some basic things. Like if someone says they're a Christian, how could you actually look at their life and say, they are or I'm not really sure. Stalk them. Yes, you could. No, don't stalk people. <laughs> Was that your answer to you? Okay, watch. Watch for what? What are you looking for? I was going to say minister with them. Okay. Yeah, and that's the way you could watch them. Because you're working side by side with them. That's good. They're consistently at church. Yeah, that's huge. If someone is a Christian, by the way, the word Christian means little Christ, like they're just like Christ. Do you think Jesus would be at church at every opportunity that he could? He would. He would, absolutely. So Christians being at church is just like kind of a no-brainer. Do you think Jesus spent time with God every day? Absolutely, you bet he did. So if we are born-again Christians, we're disciples of Jesus Christ, we will do what he's doing, and so they will as well. What else? If you go to like church and school with them, see if they're the same person at church as they're at school. Yes, that is massively huge. Because a person that has true character, their character will be consistent in all places. How they are at home, how they are at school, how they are at church will be the same. Yeah. How they take spiritual prison. Say that one more time. How do they take spiritual Yeah, that's good. So when you have messed up royally and someone confronts you, how they react to that really gives you an idea of their maturity level. 
Yep. Ask them their testimony. Yeah. Because if they can't tell you how they got saved, when they got saved, and how their life changed as a result of being saved, they're probably not saved. That's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that takes something really important. Time. Oh, yeah, sorry. I think I said a cuss word. Time. It takes time. Most people don't want to wait. They don't want to wait to get into relationships because their emotions are driving the train, and they don't want to wait because if they wait, it could end. Wait a minute. Hold on. Isn't it better to wait to find out if it's actually legit or not? It is. Yeah. Take advice of stronger Christians that older than you or in your peer level that know both of you and have a perspective that is not the skewed by lustful desire. Yeah. Get advice. Why do people not want to get advice? Because they know the answer already and they know that they ask somebody who actually walks with God, they know exactly what they're going to say. Not a good idea. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I didn't want to ask you to begin with. Okay. It, I have been there and I've played that card too. <laughs> Well, all right, yeah, Jamie. Watch how they treat other people. Yeah. Like how they treat their family, their current friends, how they treat a stranger, how they treat visitors at church. Like watch how they interact with people. Yeah. Because if they love Jesus, they will treat people like Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And I would say with that one, you can find out, like, okay, let me give you the most most ideal scenario. What would you think about a person who did this? Okay. As you observe them, you found out they are incredibly respectful to their mom and dad that they actually love their siblings and you can tell (laughs) that the friends they have also walk with God and are very interested in spiritual things. They're there every time the church doors are open on Sunday and Wednesday. They're meeting with someone who's discipling them weekly, faithfully for multiple hours. They're witnessing to people at school and trying to invite them to church all the time and you observe them doing it. They're involved in vacation Bible school They're always inviting people to church. They have visitors that come to camp, to winter camp, summer camp, and all that stuff. You know, that people go to them for spiritual advice, that they are reading in the scriptures, and they go to youth leaders, and they ask them their opinions about things, or there's certain things that they're struggling with, or I'm like, I'm not really understanding what this actually says. That they pay attention in class, and they're taking notes about the things that they're learning in class. What would you think about that person? (laughs) That it's Jesus? I mean, seriously, what would you think about that? Just honest. Just what was your first reaction of hearing that entire list? <laughs> I want to marry that person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. No, just from a perspective, if you're, if you're born again, if you're a Christian and those things are in your heart and you see someone that's like that, all of a sudden it's like that person, I mean, they love God. Like that's some person that I look up to. That's a person I could follow. That's a person that I want to spend time with. But if you hear that list and you're like, oh my gosh, what a bore. Okay, all right. Maybe, maybe then that you don't think or you're at, you're at a position where you don't think you actually are. Like maybe you think you're super spiritual, that you're okay, but you're really, really not. Like if those things are not attractive to you, you got to do some heart check in. Because if you say that you love God, you say that you want to glorify God, you say that you want to honor God with your life, then that list of a person will be very attractive to you. But if that list bores you, well, then you're looking more like the world and less like Christ. And there's some, something that's not right there. Okay. And so this kind of ties in with our next one too. But they go into my church. Baloney. Just because they go to your church does not mean it's a person you should date. I'm just going to put that out there. 
right? Because there's a lot of people that go to this church that I would not, like if you came to me and say, hey, I'm interested in this person and they go to this church, I would, I mean, I may be like, mm, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Because just because they go to this church does not mean that they're qualified to be someone that you should be interested in. And then lastly, but I just want to have fun with someone at this stage of my life. Okay. All right. You know what? That's fine. Okay. Go to Ecclesiastes 11. Just go to Ecclesiastes 11. Right now. Ecclesiastes. Psalms. Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 11. But I just, girls just want to have fun. All right. Let's see what the Bible says about that one. Okay. Here we go. You ready for this one? No, just verse 9. I mean, there's a lot in here, but we'll just do verse 9. Here we go. Follow along with me as I read this one. This one's a, uh, this one's a ringer. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart. And in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Okay. So, all right. You want to have fun. You want to go and do whatever. Go for it. I mean, you have a free will. You can do absolutely whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but just remember God's going to bring you into judgment for whatever you do. We have the freedom to do anything, but God's going to bring you into judgment. So just remember that. And it is possible, by the way, in case you're wondering, it's possible to be a Christian and still have fun. I don't know if you knew that, but I think the world tries to put a damper on that, but that is total bull. And if you're wondering if that's actually true or not, just hang out with us for a little while and you'll find out what we're talking about. We're we're so much fun. It's unbelievable. All right. And you can talk to Austin about our our cabin at camp, right? (laughs) Yeah, it was insane. That was insane. And you guys still stay up. Are you still staying up late and playing Minecraft together? Not much lately, but we beat the end of Dragon. All right, there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's finish out this list. Okay, so now this is going to kind of be the polar opposite. We don't have time to hit any of these verses, but I'm just going to kind of work this list. So these are some good biblical reasons to date someone. I mean, these are real good reasons. First of all, they are born again and have a proven love and faithfulness to the Lord. Key word, proven. Proven. It's not lip service. It's actually part of their life. Number two, they consistently challenge me in my personal walk with the Lord. Because this person is in my life, they make me a stronger Christian and vice versa. They don't make me weaker. They don't drag me down. They make me a stronger Christian. Next, they care more about the Lord than about me. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. When you're dating somebody and that other person cares more about God's opinion than yours, that's a keeper. That's a, that's a good one. They value what the Lord values, and they hate what the Lord hates. So when you read the scriptures and you measure it up to their life, you'll find that they have the same heart that God does because the same things that God loves, they love, and the same things that God hates, they hate. They are humble and teachable, but not afraid to stand alone to do what is right. They're not afraid to stand alone because they're a person of character. They have potential and are allowing God to work out that potential. They're very submissive to God and they're letting God shape and mold their life. They find their self-worth in Jesus Christ and not from this world. They know their value is in his eyes and his alone and not from anything this world has to offer. They tell me the truth even when it hurts my feelings. That's a good one. Someone that you want in your life is someone who's going to tell you the truth even if it hurts you. They keep their heart 
and help me to keep my own heart, which means they're pure and they desire to be pure and they want to pursue purity in their own life. They are willing to wait for God's best, even if it means they end up alone. That's a good one too. They're not willing to compromise. They want what God wants. And then lastly, I'm in the center of God's will and ready to wait for his marriage plan and not my own. So as you can see, it's a little bit opposite from the first one. But here's the reality. You need to be honest. So which list best describes your thought process? If your perspective is more on the unbiblical side, your life's focus is not set on God, but on yourself. And so always remember that you will likely find what you're looking for. So be extremely careful to look for the right things and in what ways you need to start thinking differently. So I wanted to do this list first before we get into any of the other things because I think this is a really good measuring stick of some multiple areas of your life when it comes to maybe current dating relationships, maybe someone you're interested in, or maybe even past relationships that you've been in that you've never really sat down to think through, did I approach that the right way? And so if you're willing to submit yourselves to these things, you are going to be well on your way to finding exactly who God wants you to be with, and it's going to be incredible. And let me tell you, it's worth waiting for. It is definitely worth waiting for. All right. Any comments? Questions? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was very, very pleasant. Well, thanks. Well, like I've said before, a lot of this came through my own mistakes. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I can't say it was my pleasure because it wasn't. All right, it was my regret. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, any other thoughts? We good? Okay. All right, well, let's pray and get out of here. Somebody want to pray? Go for it. All right, just as a side note, if you guys have any questions at all about any of this stuff, but you just don't want to talk about it in front of everybody else, feel free to text any one of us leaders, and we'd be happy to talk with you guys one-on-one, because some of this stuff's not easy to talk about publicly. All right. Bye.